Okay, this week's current events prophecy message will be titled Biblical Quarantines and the Cure to Coronavirus. And you know what? This will be my seventh message about the coronavirus and the COVID-19 situation. So far, we've talked about how our enemy has capitalized on this to pump fear into the multitudes, how it is a reminder to prepare for emergencies by staying stocked up on food and supplies. Uh, We talked about how it could be God's way of forcing us to slow down and take a Sabbath from the busyness of life. Um, We saw some interesting parallels between the coronavirus and the Passover when the death angel came bringing a pestilence and the Israelites uh, stayed in their homes and put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and so on. And we also talked about a connection between it and the plagues of Mystery Babylon. But today I'm, so today I'm going to expound a little bit more on some of those things while taking a closer look at what a biblical quarantine looks like and to, and to see, if, see if we're handling this according to the Bible or if we're handling it in a different manner. Um, we'll also discuss the possible origins of the COVID-19 virus and we'll talk about how um, we are instructed to prevent future outbreaks. And, you know, like I mentioned before, in the Bible, Besides the one night during the Passover, I can't think of anywhere where God's people were commanded to shelter in place or to stay at home because of a plague, pestilence, or disease. It was only those with symptoms that were quarantined away while everyone else just carried on with their normal business. Okay, so let's... um, Let's, let's ask ourselves this question before we get into some scriptures here. Is this another trap set for D- President Donald Trump? You know, they just tried getting done impeaching them. So uh, could we be witnessing another trap being set for Donald Trump with this whole coronavirus scare? Um, well, I, you know, first off, I believe the coronavirus is real. But I also believe it has been blown way out of proportion. I mean, you look at the current numbers and they prove that. The numbers are way down. And I know they'll say, well, it's because we've been doing all these mitigation policies and so forth. But if you think about all the people going to the grocery stores and, and going, to, you know, doing other things anyways, I doubt that that really is the case. But, you know, I, I sense that the Democrats and the deep state were counting. And now, now, listen to me closely. I count... I, I sense that the Democrats and the deep state were counting on President Trump not doing anything about this. And, um, and, and, I, and I think they thought, well, he's not going to do anything about this. And then what we're going to do is we're going to hype up the situation even more. We're going to get video footage of all these people dying in overcrowded hospitals and blame Trump for every death caused by COVID-19. You know, their famous leader once said uh, in his writings, this famous socialist communist leader said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And it's obvious that they're not, they're not letting it go to waste. They're already trying to uh, open up 
special panels to investigate Trump's handling of the coronavirus. You look at the news articles on CNN or NBC or some other news organization like that, and they're already blaming Trump and saying he was unprepared, he ignored the warning signs, and all these types of things. But you know what? Trump is no dummy. I mean, I'm sure he believed all along that the deep state was up to something when, when this stuff started boiling over. I mean, think about it. Had Trump not called on states to shut everything down for a while, the press would have murdered him for it come election time. I mean, they would have said that he put the economy before people's lives um, just so that he could build the, the economy. You know, they, they, they want to push the narrative that Trump is a cold, heartless guy uh, who only cares about money. And, and, and I think they thought, okay, we, we can do this this time. You know, um, right before the election, we can separate the bond that President Trump has between he and his followers. Because if Trump supporters start thinking, well, Trump didn't handle this right and we're dying and, and, and really all he cared about was money in the first place. That's, that's what they want us to think of him. Okay. That's their goal. They know they can't win if Trump's base stays solidly connected to him and continue supporting him. But it seems as though President Trump, by shutting down the economy, temporarily anyways, uh, has outmaneuvered the deep state and the Democrats once again in what I would call good old Samson style. And we did a whole bunch of studies uh, a while back in 2016 likening President Trump to Samson. If you remember what happened to Samson, they were always trying to get him. We got him now. And, it, and there was this series of I got you moments by the Philistines against Samson. And every time they thought they had Samson, he turned around on top of them, defeating them. And, I, and, and we've witnessed that over and over and over again. And I think we're probably going to witness it once again. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to bet he views this whole thing as part of a longer war to take down America and perhaps in an effort to win the war, he is willing to play their game and, and shut down the economy, but only temporarily while unexpectedly taking advantage of certain emergency powers to be leveraged against them that powers that he wouldn't have had otherwise. So, um, and this is just my speculation, okay? But, but I believe he, he, he thinks that these temporary sacrifices by playing the game a little bit and uh, turning the game around on them will ultimately benefit our nation in the long run. I mean, when you think about it, anyways, when you take a Sabbath day or a sabbatical for a season, you always come back well-rested, uh, refreshed, and ready to get back at it. Uh, so maybe we needed a pause anyways. Maybe, maybe uh, the economy needed to just be shut down anyhow. Um, so I don't think it really hurts. I don't think what President Trump is, is doing, as long as it doesn't last for a really long time, I don't think it's really going to hurt our national economy. In fact, I think it, would prop, it might, and he's even been saying this, that it's going to come back even stronger than it was before. And that, that kind of goes along with the Sabbath principle. You know, back in biblical times, God commanded 
that every seventh year be a Sabbath for the economy. Um, he says, uh, he says here in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 2 through 4, he says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord six years. Thou shalt sow thy field, and six years shalt thou prune thy vineyard and gather in the fruits thereof. But in the seventh year shall be the, uh, a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. Okay, farming back then was really the bedrock of Israel's economy. So when they were, when they were to not sow the land or reap the harvest every seventh year, um, we know that they ate of the land, you know, God provided like triple, triple on the sixth year anyways. Um, so they lived off that. But um, <clears throat> this was in all practical purpose, purposes, shutting down the economy for an entire year. Okay. Now I'm not suggesting that we do that now because our economy is a lot different, but a couple months if Trump is going along with this and feels like, well, a month or two uh, might be a good thing anyways, and it might even be a, a, a biblical thing. Um, but let's continue on. Verses 5 through 6 of Leviticus 25 says, That which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land, and the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you. Check that out. How does the Sabbath of the land be meat for you when you can't even eat of it? What, what is that talking about? I'll explain in a second. And for thy servant, and for thy maid, and for thy hired servant, and for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee. Okay? So... It appears the Sabbath here wasn't, wasn't only meant to give the land a rest because God said the Sabbath would also be meat for you and for your servant and for your, uh, you know, your maid and so forth. I, I think it was also, you know, think about this. If, if your economy was almost completely based on farming, which it was during Israel's time, that means everybody had a really light workload during the seventh year. I'm sure they had time to mend their fences, to get maintenance done that they couldn't get done during those busy years. They had more time with family. Um, and, 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 and interestingly, that seems to be what's happening right now with the coronavirus shutdown. A lot of people are doing these things. They're, they're getting caught up on things that they hadn't had time for and they're getting closer to family without all of these other distractions that are normally around us. It's, it's fascinating to watch. Um, so this seventh year uh, Sabbath where they basically shut down the entire economy was a gift from God. He said, it is for you. Okay? Um, and so now, of course, the leftists uh, are pushing stay-at-home orders for a sinister purpose because they want to destroy the economy, make Trump look bad, and win the upcoming election. 
Okay, that's obvious. I mean, and some of them are getting on big power trips, you know, leveraging their power over the citizens and feeling like, oh, I can make, I can control them. I can make them stay home. But you know what? I'm not. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm ready to stand against that if it goes too far. Don't get me wrong. But God always has a way to use their own traps, the enemy's traps, against them. He can turn or he can take their traps that they set for for his people and turn around and put them in the trap. And I kind of think that's happening right now because leftists, they don't want us enjoying our families, right? Because they want the state to be the 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 dad, mommy and daddy. They want you to be in government school where they can propagandize uh, your children's minds and brainwash them with a secular, humanist, godless uh, worldview and so on. So those are some things that are backfiring on them. So I'm not really that overly worried about four shutdowns yet. I'll say yet. So we'll keep watching. It appears as though Trump's getting ready to end this anyways, um, but we'll see. Okay, so before we move on to some other scriptures here, let's ask this question. What does a biblical quarantine look like? Uh, you know, we've, we've shut down the entire nation. Um, we are, uh, and the economy, like we're talking about, but, but does a proper biblical quarantine, or does a biblical quarantine require that we shut down the whole society when a, when a small percentage of them get sick? Um, well, we'll take a look at that. Uh, Leviticus 13 gives a very detailed description of how the priests of Israel were to examine whether someone had uh, leprosy or not, and God gave them a list of symptoms they were to look at to see if that person had the disease and if they were contagious or not. Uh, we could read through this whole chapter, Leviticus 13 today, and it would make a great study. But, I'm, but I've got a, some other things I really want to get to, but we are going to take a, uh, a, at least a verse out of here um, and, and look at that. But um, in this chapter, if, they, if the priest came to the conclusion the, that the person was indeed infected or contagious, they pronounced them unclean and quarantined them away from the congregation. They didn't quarantine the, the entire nation, okay? They didn't say, everybody stay home in your houses because somebody has leprosy. Or everybody stay at home in your houses because somebody is throwing up over here or, or uh, has some other kind of infectious disease or cough or fever. The, I've never seen one example in the Bible where that ever happened. Um, but this is the biblical command. Check it out. Leviticus 13 verse 46 says, All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. Okay, so notice here. Notice the usage of the word he in this verse. God didn't say we. Okay, he said he. And I don't think God could have stressed this any more than what he did here, that, um, that this was supposed to be a quarantine meant only for those 
who were infected. Okay, this was to have no, this biblical quarantine was to have no impact on the rest of the nation. In fact, that's what a quarantine, that's the purpose of a quarantine. Get the sick separated, set aside so that the rest of the nation isn't infected, or I could say even in our case, effected. Okay, um, so, you know, they didn't stop going on with life when, when cases of leprosy or other diseases popped up. And they weren't relying on a vaccine to save them, okay? They, the Israelites weren't instructed to find the best scientists and pray, uh, and pray to them and hope that they will find a cure so that you can get back to life. No, God had simple instructions on how to deal with that. And, and, and we're going to open those up here in a little bit. But, um, you know... Just think about, since I mentioned vaccines, just think about what a vaccine is. I mean, it is taking part of the disease or that thing that is unclean and actually injecting it right into your body. God, God's way is to separate from the unclean. His ways of keeping his people healthy is to remove parts that are unhealthy uh, until they recover. But but we, with these, with these vaccines, we actually put the unclean thing in us. Um, total opposite of what God's command is here and throughout the rest of the Bible. Nowhere are we commanded to take a little bit of sin or a little bit of something that's unclean so that we can b- be clean. And it's kind of silly. Um, well, and, and then you may say, well, it works. Vaccines work. Well, uh, that can be debated in many cases that they don't that they don't work very well or work as intended, um, and, and and so forth. But I, I say, well, okay, what if let's just say they do work? Okay, let's say they work almost a hundred percent of the time. I say, I say, okay, well, but at what cost? What cost are we willing to pay in order for that? To uh, you know, to what cost are we willing to pay to take vaccines? Um, what other known or unknown effects are vaccines having on our bodies? I mean, that's a question that people rarely ever ask. They just think it's going to save me from the flu. Well, what else is it doing to you that you don't know, or that we even do know? Many people say that certain vaccinations cause cancer. Um, by the way, I've, I've written a blog on vaccines. Um, It'll probably be linked. I'll link to that blog in the blog post titled exactly the same, a written blog post uh, that uh, goes hand in hand with what we're talking about here today. But so many people say that certain vaccines cause cancer, autism, Alzheimer's, and other such things. So is that worth it? When you look at that that, that, uh, syringe there with the needle on there and you're going to, you know, hopefully... Uh, inject a little bit of that unclean thing in you to save you from, you know, getting the virus. It, the long, in the long run, are cancers and autism and Alzheimer's and all those types of things and other things we have no idea. Are those things, it, it, is it really worth taking the risk? Okay. Is it really t- worth taking the risk, risk to uh, uh, possibly uh, have one of those side effects happen to you? Um, but, the, but then somebody would say, oh, but those, uh, those studies are inconclusive. Um, uh, they don't really prove that, you know, vaccines cause Alzheimer's and things like that. But you know what? Hey, I don't care what somebody says. In the long run, I put my faith in what God's word says anyways. You know, God's word 
has always been ahead of the curve. I mean, never have scientists, I mean, think about it. If we, if we put science, the word of what scientists say before what God's word has said all along, then what are we making? What are we doing? We're actually making the scientists and science into our God. It's ridiculous when you think about it because God's word has always been simple in dealing with these things. He's told us, and we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, how to deal with these things. Um, and it doesn't, you know, require all this extra work, uh, all these extra work, work arounds, okay? So if, if, he, if God's word tells me not to do something, I would rather listen to him um, than some man's opinion, okay? Uh, and, and you know what? They can try and destroy the credibility of all these different studies showing that vaccines cause adverse effects. Um, but what they cannot do is they cannot change the word of God. God's word says, keep the unclean things separate. He doesn't say, go ahead and be a little tricky, a little conniving, and take a little bit of that unclean thing and put it in your body and expect no adverse effects, okay? Anyways, um, here is another example of the law of quarantine. Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 through 4. God says, command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper and everyone that hath an issue and whosoever is defiled by the dead. Both male and female shall you put out. Without the camp shall you put them th that they defile not their camps in the midst whereof I dwell. And the children of Israel did so, and they put them out without the camp, as the Lord spake unto Moses. So did all of the children of Israel. Okay, so so this this was a command. It wasn't voluntary, and it wasn't just for those who were infected with leprosy. Quarantine was for people with any issue or infectious disease. Okay. Any infectious disease that could be passed on to somebody else. Um, and so basically, I mean, how we can apply this to today is, hey, if you know you're sick, the right thing to do is to stay at home. Okay. I've got no problem with that. Quarantine is biblical. But the point we're making is that I don't see any biblical laws that, say, that says quarantine the healthy put them in their home, don't let them go out and mingle with other healthy people uh, and shut everything down because of a small percentage of people that are in infected, okay? Um, so, right, we are supposed to be courteous to our fellow man. We do not want diseases to run rampant among our populations. But God's way of dealing with that, again, was quarantine for the sick. Um, interestingly, we have a case of Social distancing, you know, it sounds like a politically correct word when people say that. It's, uh, um, it, there's, there's a case of that in the Bible in ch uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 12 through 14. I'm going to uh, read it real quick here. And as he entered into a certain village, this was Jesus, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar, and notice I put these words all in capital here, stood afar, they were social distancing, stood afar off, 
And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests, um, and it shall come to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, many of the priests at this time, the doctors were among that priest class, um, and the priests were skilled in um, uh, skilled in what's the word? Assessing. I'm assessing. There we go from the me- uh, the medical community over here. <laughs> skilled at assessing uh, the patient. Okay, the patients. So, um, but again, even. Though we have a case of social distancing here, there weren't people six feet away from each other at a bare minimum everywhere. I mean, that was the lepers, okay? It was only those who were known to be infected or who thought they were infected and so forth, okay? So so we have all kinds of different quarantine laws, right? And common sense laws. But the Bible also is full of sanitation, and personal hygiene laws uh, as well. For instance, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 10 through 11 says this, If there be among you any man that is not clean by reason of uncleanness, that chanceth him by night, then he shall go out of the camp, he shall not come within the camp, But it shall be when evening cometh on, he shall wash himself with water. And when the sun is down, he shall come into the camp again. Okay. So this, you know, this sounds like common sense to us. If someone wets their pants in the middle of the night on accident or something else, uh, they would wash their clothes and take a bath. Um, But, you know, I guess not everyone uses common sense. So God had to put this here in the Bible. And it wasn't probably as easy to wash yourself back in these days. You would have to get up out of your bed, uh, out of your tent or whatever, and find a place to wash. But nevertheless, it had to be done. We sh- so the point is, you know, Christians should always practice good personal hygiene. Take showers, take baths, uh, keep yourselves germ-free. That, that, that's common sense. And it's a principle that should be applied all the time, not just when coronavirus hits um, and so forth. So we don't really need CDC guidelines all the time. If we just people just follow biblical uh, laws and biblical advice, we'd be a healthy people, okay? Um, you know, don't sneeze on somebody. Uh, don't cough and spread your germs around everywhere, okay? And things like that. Simple stuff, okay? It's all over the Bible. In fact, the Bible talks a great deal about holiness and purity, both in the physical sense and in the spiritual sense. God says uh, he wants his people to be holy for he is holy, okay? That's important stuff. You don't want to be a slob. You don't want to be somebody who's spreading their germs everywhere and things like that, okay? Nobody's disagreeing with that here. Um, but I got on here a question here. Love your neighbor, okay? Love your neighbor. Lately, I've read some articles written by Christians and, and various Christian organizations stating that by following the stay-at-home orders issued by the government, we are fulfilling the great command to love our neighbor, okay? Um, 
But, but there's, I want to caution. I want to put a word of caution there. You know, will they next be saying that everyone should get vaccinated if they truly want to love their neighbor? Because that's the guilt trip that they try. That's the reasoning behind vaccination. They say, well, you could have the disease and not have it and then pass it on to uh, some other person that uh, can't fight it and then they die and it's your fault. So you must, if you really love your neighbor, it is your duty to get vaccinated. Okay. But um, so that's, you know, that sounds nice. But is that what Jesus had in mind when he said we should love our neighbor as ourselves? Does that include forced vaccinations? Does that include, um, you know, uh, mass stay-at-home orders? Is that what Jesus had in mind when he said love your neighbor? Think about that. I mean, this this could be a very dangerous, slippery slope. Well, we, we I'll just give you one example. People say, well, you don't want to stand against homosexuality. You don't want to label homosexuality as a sin because that's not loving your neighbor. You see how this, you see how this works? Um, it can be, a, like I said, it can be a dangerous, slippery slope if we define for ourselves what is loving and what is not, okay? Um, you know, we've, we've got an entire Bible telling us how to love. But, you know, Christians today seem to just pick, uh, cherry pick a couple verses from the New Testament and say, Jesus says love, love your neighbor and love. And so the great commandment now is all love. And, and they don't understand that the whole Old Testament, all of the laws, hundreds of laws in the Old Testament actually define for us what loving actions are. You can't just make them up for yourself, okay? Granted, there, there maybe isn't a specific law for every single situation, but there is always at least a, a general law that is almost specific to every situation. Um, so that's, you know, I, I consider these, these love, love, love Christians that, that think they live by the law of love, but then they go around life making it up what it is to fit whatever they're doing. Um, I, I think they're really being lazy because they're not taking the, they use Jesus's teachings as a crutch to be lazy when all Jesus meant when he said, uh, the two great commandments were to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say that those two things replaced everything else he had talked about in the past, like laws concerning quarantine and things like that. He, he, was, he was saying that all of the laws in the Old Testament actually uh, hang on those two principles. Okay? So... And I bring this up because you're going to start seeing this. I get we already do. Some Christians are deceived. They don't know their Bibles. They don't know what the Bible says, and they just start, you know, start forcing their uh, self righteousness um, upon us because they think that Jesus's command is to love. And therefore, if you don't get a vaccination or you don't follow every stay-at-home rule or law, you're not loving your neighbor, okay? It's false. That's how things get twisted, uh, how things get twisted up so much these days. It's biblical, biblical illiteracy. Our people do not read their Bibles chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Um, 
You know, so I, I would say this. So, so is it loving to issue lengthy stay-at-home orders that will effectively destroy many people's small businesses um, and put many people out of work? Is that loving? Well, of course not. But they're saying it is. Some, some of these Christians, they think, well, I think, it's, I think it falls under the category of love your neighbor, okay? But like I said, I mean, if we just took a couple verses out of context in the New Testament, we could, we could really justify anything we do as an action out of love, okay? Um, rather than going to hundreds of cases in the Bible where God defines for us what love is. And, and you know what? We don't have to guess, on what a biblical quarantine looks like or what we should do in a situation where there is a outbreak of certain diseases because all we're given specific laws concerning quarantine and health and hygiene and these laws again only provide for isol- only suge- not suggest only command that we isolate the sick Okay, isolate the sick. I cannot find one instance where a mass quarantine was commanded in the Bible for the sake of, out of fear that everybody was going to get it and the death rate was going to be totally out of control or something like that. Okay, it was a simple command, separate the sick. Okay, moving on to the next question here. Diseases from unclean animals, okay? So where do infectious diseases come from in the first place? That's a question we should ask ourselves. Well, one known source, uh, known even by modern scientists, is that diseases come from unclean animals, or they come from animals. And guess what? The Bible told us that thousands of years ago, before our scientists made that discovery, okay? It's all throughout the Bible. Um, so let's take a look at, at that. Leviticus chapter 20 says this, You shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean, and between unclean fowls and clean. And you shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And you shall be, now here, check this out. And you shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy and have severed you or separated you from other people that you should be mine. Now, there really, there, there kind of was a mass quarantine in the Bible in the Old Testament, um, as well as even in the New, in a spiritual sense, in that they were supposed to remain a separate nation, okay? They didn't divide all the families in the nation apart when a disease came, but they were, as a nation, supposed to remain separate, okay? They were supposed to have boundaries, They're supposed to have laws to protect them from foreign invasions and things like that as far as uh, immigration and other such things. But anyways, in other words, God says stay healthy. He wanted us to stay healthy by not eating or touching unclean animals. 
Okay, I'm not going to read through the whole list, but he gives us a whole list of things. And I believe, and I, and I, I meant to add this slide in there, I believe bats, bats were one of those specific things. And I bring that up because it is thought that bats are the origin of the COVID-19 virus, okay? CNN it, uh, took a break you know, from publishing false news for a little bit and published an article to, uh, suggesting that, well, actually, you know, they probably, their agenda in, in admitting this or saying this is probably to protect the Chinese. So maybe it's not uh, necessarily uh, an innocent act of theirs. But anyways, CNN published an article suggesting that uh, the COVID-19 went from bats to snakes and then to humans who ate snakes purchased at a local uh, seafood market in Wuhan, China, okay? So think about that, a widespread disease. Now, there was another animal that they thought maybe that... Pangolins, okay? So regardless, those are all unclean animals. Bats, serpents, pangolins, okay? We shouldn't be eating those things, it's in the Bible. And, you know, our people eat a lot of pork, and, and God's command is not to eat that stuff either. And look, we suffer from all kinds of heart diseases, all kinds of stuff, cancers, that everybody just mysteriously, we don't know where they came from. Well, it's a good chance it comes from disobedience to God's health laws. Oh, but Pastor Ben, it says in the New Testament, all foods are now pronounced clean. Well, okay, so the coronavirus can't, coming from a bat, you can eat bats now and spread a coronavirus to the entire world? I mean, use some common sense, okay? Those, these, these food laws have not changed. There's a reason why God tells us to put difference between the clean and the unclean. Okay, so you, when you eat pigs, you might just be, um, and I know I might, might be offending a lot of people, but it's because of biblical illiteracy. When you eat pigs, you might just be affecting yourself. Yeah, that might be the case. Uh, but there's also a chance that you could be picking up an infectious disease from one of these unclean animals, even maybe even a pig at times, and then pass it on to other people. Well, I think there was the swine flu, right? Um, I don't know. Was that because somebody ate pigs somewhere that was infected? or I don't know. They said it came from pigs somehow. But nevertheless, these things come from unclean animals, these diseases. And they come from our disobedience to either be touching them in ways we're not supposed to be touching them or eating them, okay? Um, I mean, think about it. A widespread disease, this, this widespread disease called coronavirus that is, sh- that is shutting down nations, causing all this turmoil, began by someone simply disobeying God's commands to not eat or touch unclean animals. Um, we, didn't, we don't need all this. If somebody disobeyed that command, we wouldn't need all of this, uh, you know, people running around with masks everywhere. All, I mean, just think of the reaction that we're, just think of the consequences that we are under now because of someone's simple disobedience to eat an unclean animal. Okay. Um, amazing. Okay. So that brings us to our final point here. Obedience is the cure. Okay. This is the, this is the, obedience is the solution. I mean, how, how do we effectively keep our nation from getting overrun with plagues or sicknesses of any kind? Um, 
Do we lock the whole country down like we've been doing for the last six weeks or two months or whatever it is? Do we constantly put our hope in scientific discoveries and vaccines to save us from our disobedience? Do we walk around with masks and gloves everywhere we go from now on for the rest of our lives out of fear for this? I mean, think about that. Well, my answer is no. I suggest that obedience is the best preventative measure. Obedience to God's word in general and obedience to his specific commands on how to handle an infectious outbreak. Okay? God says this. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 58 through 59, he says, If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book. You know, he didn't just say, if you, well, you can just, you can just summarize it into love and then just kind of make it up as you go. You know, as long as you feel like you're loving somebody, that's probably the right thing to do. Okay? <laughs> okay? Um, so, he says, If thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear the glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful. Not wonderful as, oh, this is great. Wonderful as meaning it is severe, okay? And the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues, and, now check this out, and of long continuance, and sore sicknesses, and of long continuance, okay? So, he says, if you, if you disobey my word, I can make these things last really long, okay? And, you know, we've been dealing with the coronavirus that, um, you know, we've been shut down for almost two months. But, hey, if we keep disobeying God, if we keep, uh, keep having abortion clinics open while everything else is shut down and, and abortion clinics deemed as necessary, well, you can expect some of these things to happen again and again and again for long periods of time until... We repent as a nation and get our priorities straight. And until he says what? We have to observe all the words of the law that are written in this book. Okay? Again, it's not just love your neighbor now since Jesus came and we can do whatever we want and make it up as we go. There's 66 books of the Bible giving us commands and examples and illustrations of what not to do, what to do, and, and how to actually love our neighbor as ourself. Okay, almost done here. Deuteronomy 28, going to another spot here. He says, moreover, 28 verse 60 through 62, he says, moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Check this out. So maybe, does God know about Corona, uh, COVID-19? Is he unaware of this? Oh God, are you, are you aware? Do you know what's going on? Of course he does. Okay. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. And every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. And you shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude. Because what? Here's the cure, my friends. Because thou wouldest not 
Obey the voice of the Lord thy God. So, you know, I want to caution against putting our hope in vaccines and scientists and people that are running the CDC and all these, you know, very intelligent people when God's word tells us all along it's obedience. You want to have diseases? You want to have plagues upon your nation? Then disobey the word of God and keep doing it. If you want health and vitality as a nation, then obey the word of God. It's that simple. Um, In fact, that's why we're in this mess in the first place. Adam and Eve, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What did they do? They ate of it. What happened? They were plagued. They were cursed. Okay? Um, So, moving on. One more verse I think we have here. And again, he says this. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. Now we're looking at the opposite, okay? Before he said, if you, if you don't do it, then this is going to happen. But now he says, hey, if you listen, if you listen to my word, um, and follow my commandments and my statutes, he says this, I will put none, none, this is a promise, I will put none of these diseases upon thee. Now we're not talking about individuals here, we're talking about a national thing. Individuals get sick and it happens. We're talking about national outbreaks, national uh, outbreaks of certain diseases. He says, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I, now check this out, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. You want a good doctor? He's right here. You you want good doctor's advice? It's all right here in his word. Now I'm not saying that medical doctors are of no significance. Obviously uh, there are some good Christian doctors that pray to God and are able to help people. But um, I'm speaking generally here. Okay? Um, Actually, I think I actually have another verse. So I thought it was the last one. Maybe this will be the last one. We'll see. Okay, so he says, um, this is the last one. I promise this time. Deuteronomy 7, verse 12 through 15. He says, Wherefore it shall come to pass, if you hearken to these judgments... And keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And the Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee. But check this out. But will lay them upon all them that hate thee. Oh, but that's not nice. Christianity is just about love. We wouldn't want this to happen to anybody else. They would say, well, God says this. Hey, if you follow me, I'll take those diseases away from you and I'll put them on those that hate you. Okay? Now, we got a lot of countries that hate America. We even got a lot of people inside of America that hate America. So um, I'm going to let God do the judging on that. But, you know, overall, I mean, God is in control. You know, we have got nothing to fear. As long as we do things the biblical way. And most importantly, as long as we obey him 
and try to uh, follow his will. And basically, I mean, no matter what happens, we must be of the mindset that, um, and I, and I, and I uh, am not unsupportive of President Trump at this time. In fact, I think he's doing a great job. If he is playing their game a little bit with them to take advantage of it, I'm going to let it play out. Uh, because God sometimes uses servants to use covert activity against the enemy. I'm not going to start uh, coming down on him about that. Because you know what? In the long run, whatever, however this unfolds, we do know that all things work out to the good of those who love him. All right. Questions or comments? The thing about love your neighbor, I thought it was when you were saying how you don't just ignore everything else. It's like when we leave the house and we say, okay, just get along. Okay. It doesn't mean jump on the tables, go all eat all the food you want and totally disobey every rule as long as you're getting along. You still have to follow all the other rules, but the last word we usually say is, okay, get along, no fighting. Right. Right. It's the same way you are with your kids. It yeah. doesn't just mean just that. Right, go exactly. Go wreck havoc in the backyard and start using a chainsaw and do this and that. But as long as you're getting along while you're doing yeah. that, I don't care. That's not what we're saying. You still have to follow all the other rules. Right. So I just kind of, when you said that, it made me smile because I was thinking exactly how we tell our kids. That's a good point. Yeah. Excellent. I hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends. Stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer.